Hello, listeners. We are here today with Richard Gage, who is a 30-year San Francisco Bay Area architect and member of the American Institute of Architects. He is also the founding member of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, which makes this special edition 9-11 podcast very special. Mr. Gage became interested in researching the destruction of the World Trade Center high-rises after hearing the startling conclusions of the reluctant 9-11 researcher David Ray Griffin on the radio in 2006. He subsequently launched his own unyielding quest for the truth about 9-11, sort of like everybody else did at the time. However, Mr. Gage is much more qualified as an architect to do so. A&E 9-11 Truth now numbers more than 3,000 architects and engineers demanding a new investigation into the destruction of all three World Trade Center towers. As an architect, Mr. Gage has worked on most types of buildings construction, including numerous fireproof steel frame buildings. Most recently, he worked on the construction documents for a $400 million mixed-use urban project with 1.2 million square feet of retail parking structure and mid-rise office space altogether with about 1,200 tons of steel framing. Please welcome Mr. Richard Gage, AIA. Well, great. Thanks, guys. It's, it's an awesome uh, uh, opportunity to be here with you. Um, I, uh, I, I, I was just shocked, you know, in 2006 when I heard on the radio uh, David Ray Griffin uh, talking about uh, a third tower that collapsed on 9-11, talking about explosive evidence, uh, the oral histories of the first responders uh, over uh, 250 of them, uh, uh, or 156 of them, exactly, uh, talking about uh, sounds of explosions before the towers ever came down, <clears throat> immediately before. So I was, uh, I was just blown away. I had to figure out what's, what's uh, going on here. Uh, why didn't I know, as an architect, uh, about the third tower uh, that came down. I mean, this is the third worst structural failure in modern history. And they say it came down by fire. And uh, these fires uh, uh, have never, normal office fires have never brought down a skyscraper, ever. And all of a sudden, on uh, September 11th, we have not two, but three that are said to have come down uh, primarily due to fire. Uh, in the case of the... Uh, <coughs> and that's a that's, that's one thing that's it's it's pretty crazy. There's like a there's like a giant memory hole in America's memory that that doesn't even there's a large section of America that doesn't even know that Tower Seven came down that day. I remember having an argument with my dad, telling him about Tower Seven right when I found A uh, and E for nine eleven truth. And he's like, a third tower didn't fall. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it did. Exactly. It felt like it was like a controlled demolition. And 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 he's like, no, it didn't. I had to show him the video, and he was still in suspended disbelief. You know, and now there's so much information that you guys, because of the work that you guys are doing, that's come out. That uh, I mean, you have to you you have to have some kind of cognitive dissonance not to be able to to to, to poke holes in the official theory from the from NIST. Yeah, so I researched this. I went deep into it. I mean, I I talked to the. To, to architects and they, they all thought I was nuts just like you just described and, and so I put I stole the uh, PowerPoint from Stephen Jones uh, this physicist uh, nuclear physicist formerly from Brigham Young University and uh, I, 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 it was online so I grabbed it and I, I started modifying it and adding uh, more evidence to it that he hadn't covered and uh, making it more presentable and uh, I took it to the 15 architects in my firm that I worked with at the time, and uh, I, I bought them pizza. I made them watch this, and and uh, uh, finally, uh, at the end, uh, they all agreed, oh, my God, you're right. These are controlled demolitions. 
You know, when people finally look at the evidence, they come away with a whole new view. It's just the pro- our problem is getting the evidence in front of people uh, because it's, you can't just walk into the American Institute of Architects and say, hey, I've got information you guys got to hear, although I've done that, uh, but they're not interested in hearing it. Um, and even though they, the American Institute of Architects, 80,000 members of which I'm one, have not issued one bulletin on the uh, Building 7 collapse. And here we're the architects who specify the fire protection for these buildings. And uh, this is, you know, extraordinary. They should be keenly interested in this. But they say, oh, no, this has been dealt with. Uh, we, 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 we endorsed the NIST investigation. NIST is the National Institute of Standards and Technology who was tasked by Congress to explain all three collapses to the American people. And uh, they have this elaborate theory as to how fires, uncontrolled fires, were hovering around this uh, area in the northeast section for over an hour and a half, even though they also later admit that fires don't persist in any one area more than 30 minutes. So this is um, what we... uh, This is incredible. They say these long-span beams... Uh, pushed this girder off of its seat on this column 79, and then this uh, 13th floor falls on the 12th and the 12th on the 11th and so on for nine floors, leaving the column 79 unbraced so it buckles, and then this instability travels vertically all the way up through to the penthouse up above, and then laterally in six seconds across this building on the inside without telegraphing any uh, visible destruction of the exterior perimeter structural steel system or massive breaking up of granite panels and windows, which would have happened. Uh, so th- it's, it's an absolutely ludicrous story that every step of which we pulled the rug out from, including, by the way, the finite element analysis computer modeling study, which the University of Alaska took four years uh, to finalize, and then which pulls the rug out from underneath NIST in that they conclude that, no, fire didn't bring down this building. We tried every assumption that NIST had and tried to make their theory uh, work out, and, and the building doesn't even collapse. Um, and, and, and these are fraudulent assumptions on the part of NIST that they deployed, such as omitting key structural elements and, and modeling fires, which were much hotter than they ever were in that building, etc. And so what did they conclude? They concluded that in order for Building 7 to have collapsed in the manner that it did, uh, all the columns in the building would have to have been removed at once within a second of each other, interior followed by the exterior. So that's, uh, that's an absolutely incredible statement from the University of Alaska and Fairbanks by Professor Leroy Halsey and his team of PhD researchers. What are they saying? They're saying, in effect, that the building uh, ha- suffered a controlled demolition. Because that's exactly what you do. You remove all the columns. Uh, with uh, explosive cutter charges, in this case incendiaries, for which we have forensic evidence left behind in the rubble, uh, both for Building 7 and the Twin Towers, in the form of liquid molten iron flowing like, like lava, the firefighters say. And so this molten iron's pouring out of the South Tower minutes prior to its collapse. Uh, white hot molten iron, we're talking 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit to melt uh, steel and, and and melted steel from the ends of the beams, as Jonathan Barnett says, the fire protection uh, engineer, uh, an author of the FEMA report, the ends of the beams partly evaporated. That takes four thousand degrees to evaporate steel. So this is extraordinary. What can do that? Well, that's what thermite does. Thermite's an incendiary used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. <clears throat> and that's exactly uh, what we see in, in, in the steel and, and the ends of the steel beams uh, 
analyzed through X-ray dispersive spectroscopy by uh, physicists and um, others like Stephen Jones uh, finds uh, the the chemical signature of of thermite in the form of uh, liquid molten iron, uh, aluminum, manganese, and sulfur, uh, which FEMA had documented extensively in their metallurgical examination of the steel from all three towers. They say uh, hot sulfur corrosion attack on the steel. They included this in Appendix C of their 2002 Building Performance Assessment Report. And so all of this evidence is just damning to the official story. And we've packaged it and we've included it in our uh, several uh, uh, documentaries and books. Uh, 9-11 Explosive Evidence, Experts Speak Out. That documentary is free on YouTube to watch. And you can download the PDF of Beyond Misinformation, 50-page booklet on this material. We've also packaged it and given it to the U.S. attorney who wrote back saying, I'll comply with the law, which requires him to give this to a special grand jury in Manhattan. And that has not been done, so we've sued them with a mandamus action, and that's pending. We've sued the FBI because they didn't give this evidence that they had from us to Congress when they were required to in the 2015 9-11 Review Commission. Um, and now we're going to uh, overseas uh, and helping Matt Campbell achieve a new inquest uh, for his brother's death, who was murdered in the North Tower. And so now this evidence uh, is going internationally uh, in, in the court system uh, in, in England. So uh, we're raising funds to help Matt do just that. If, uh, if any of your listeners would like to assist yes. us, and, it's oh, a- Sorry, uh-huh. Yeah, AE911truth.org. That's AE911truth.org. You can learn more about this. Uh, all of these uh, all of these links to everything that Richard is saying right here is going to be at the bottom of the website. Um, I mean, at the bottom of the podcast once we post this on the website. So you guys who's, who are listening right now, you can just go to the freethoughtproject.com and you, you'll be able to get access all these links and all, these inf- all this information. It's great to be talking to you. I've been following you guys for about seven or eight years now. Um, I did just want to ask, I think it's a pretty pretty standard question. Whenever it comes to 9-11, it's kind of become part of our, you know, kind of part of what we do. Um, where were you and uh, what, what were you doing the day? I remember when, I, when the towers fell, I was uh, 18 years old, and I'll never forget it was a Tuesday because it was my day off of work. And uh, I, I walked downstairs, and I honestly, I thought my parents were watching a movie. I saw the first tower fall, and I was like, oh, you know, what movie are you guys watching? And they're like, no, this is actually happening right now. And uh, I'm just curious, you know, what, what were you doing that day? I was getting ready to go to work, and uh, we had the TV on. And there was, uh, you know, the tower uh, being uh, uh, on fire. I, I don't remember, you know, the exact, I've seen the movie's. These clips so many times, I forget when they happened. But, uh, you know, we were in shock. People at work were in shock. There was a TV on at work trying to figure out, you know, what happened. I'm watching the tower um, uh, be destroyed by, in, uh, by, by explosives and incendiaries, and yet uh, I'm being told that it's a collapse due to weakening by, of, of the fires. And... I just couldn't process it at the time. Uh, it was too much. You know, people were, were dying. This was a horror. We didn't know when the next plane was coming in. You know, we're all in shock. This is a, a psychological operation against the American people, and I was one of those people. Uh, and so I, I just, you know, kind of processed it at a, at a minimal level of my brain that I was capable of at the time. And um, not till I saw some analysis of it, you know, the hundreds of explosions that you can clearly, visibly see traveling down uh, all four sides uh, of these buildings uh, as, as the building's being consumed. You know, we're told by the official story that the upper part above the point of jet plane impacts in the North Tower, 15 stories, drove the rest of the building down to the ground and then destroyed itself. 
And that's completely impossible. I mean, a Volkswagen runs into a Mack truck. The Volkswagen doesn't destroy the Mack truck. It doesn't matter if you drop the Volkswagen onto the Mack truck in a vertical configuration. That's exactly what we have. The lightest part of the structure can't possibly destroy the rest of it. Uh, There's an equal and opposite destructive force as two bodies collide. And so that's um, what we see, in fact, in the videos. They show that the upper part is destroyed in the first four seconds. After that, there's nothing left to destroy the rest of the building below it, you know, which is much, much stronger each story you go down. So we, we, what we see then is a, a additional explosions hurling four-ton and eight-ton structural steel sections laterally at 600 miles an hour, landing, excuse me, laterally at 80 miles an hour, landing 600 feet in every direction. And that's that's amazing. I mean, that's uh, gravity works down, not out. There's only a, a two-story pile of twisted steel and so forth at the bottom of these towers. All, all the steel, 99% of it is outside the footprint, well outside the footprint. So that that's a third of the weight of this building, 100,000 tons of steel in each tower. And then... Uh, we're looking for pancakes too, right? Uh, uh, pancaking floors, pancaking collapse. Where, where did all the concrete go? Well, it's pulverized in midair and distributed over a three square mile area. So there's 90,000 tons of concrete in each building that's also not at the bottom of the building. Uh, it's a three, three inch thick blanket uh, over Manhattan from river to river. So so this is two-thirds the weight of the building that's not even available to crush the building below it. So you really have to start thinking about this. And, of course, I couldn't do this on day one, and it took me years, actually, to really kind of process this information and the evidence of incendiaries, which were found in all the World Trade Center dust, uh, not only by uh, uh, people questioning the official story, but by the U.S. Geological Survey themselves, which find the evidence of thermite incendiaries, uh, which in the form of uh, uh, tiny iron, previously molten, iron uh, droplets or spheres. Uh, Well, how would they be formed? The USGS doesn't tell us. R.J. Lee Group, an environmental consulting firm, who says that these are formed during the event, uh, not before by the welders, not after by the iron workers taking down the rest of the towers, but during the event. Well, just to be molten, you have to have 2,800 degrees. The, the jet fuel doesn't even get 600 degrees in open air burning, according to its own manufacturer, ME Petroleum. And the, uh, the office fires are, are maybe five or 600 degrees. NIST claims 1,800 degrees. But still, you're short, without any evidence, by the way, but still you're short uh, a 1,000 degrees of temperature uh, to explain these, how these molten iron droplets, and how do they get to be iron? We haven't used iron in our skyscrapers for 100 years. Where, do, where does iron come from? Well, molten iron is the byproduct of thermite. And again, so this is direct evidence of, of thermite incendiaries and if, how do they get to be spheres? Well, under explosive conditions, molten iron would disperse and aerosolize, and aerosolized liquids become spherical. So that's the explanation for all of these spheres. It's the only explanation. Well, where could they have really come from? Well, also found in seven independently collected samples delivered to this team of eight scientists led by Niels Herrett in Copenhagen, they find uh, dual-layered red-gray chips. They thought they were paint. They're obviously fluid applied because they're dual layered and they're thin, uh, about a sixteenth of an inch long, most of them. Well, they get real curious and do uh, XEDS uh, analysis on these and they find what? The ingredients of unignited thermite, iron oxide, aluminum powder, there's sulfur, there's manganese, uh, things that should not be found in paint. They attract to a magnet, They're, so they have a high iron content, they're not paint. So they zoom in 50,000 times and they find what? Uh, uh, a, 
uh, tiny at the nanoscale, a thousand times smaller than a human hair, these particular uh, particles of rhomboidally shaped iron oxide crystals and aluminum platelets, the ingredients of thermite, very sophisticated. So here we have a, a, an incendiary that's been re-engineered to become more explosive uh, because of, of the size, the surface volume increases exponentially. So you have instantaneous chemical reactions going on here. Uh, when, they, when they put it in a heater in, in, in the lab, uh, this team of eight scientists, uh, they, they find that they, they, they ignite and, and, and produce a, a thermitic response. So they, they, they prove that they're active thermite. And what do they produce, by the way, when they ignite? They produce molten iron spheres with the exact same chemical signature as the molten iron spheres that are found in all the World Trade Center dust and documented by the U.S. Geological Survey and R.J. Lee. So, see, this is an internally consistent, self-corroborating set of repeatable experimental data that could be used uh, to bring the real perpetrators of this uh, terror uh, to justice. Yeah, I, I, and the, you, the A&E for 9-11 Truth is not just the only organization who has found the evidence of this thermite that, uh, from, from Ground Zero. And <clears throat> all this evidence is in spite of the fact that the the government immediately after started hauling it off. So you just mentioned that it took you a long time before you could start processing all this, the uh, information that you watched unfold that day. And it was like, you know, this is the largest murder scene in the history of the United States. And what we did was essentially just destroyed all the evidence. You know, it was, it was hauled away in, in weeks and um, instead of investigating it. So all, all the, you know, you know the, the all the hard evidence that was that was left over was just essentially just taken away, and and no one got to study it. And people like you and other groups that they they finally did they, when they finally did look into it, they they talked about the nanothermite being found in it. And then the news doesn't cover that. That anybody who does mention it is written off as a conspiracy theory, and um, it's it's a shame. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that uh, a lot of the problem with this is is that it 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 has this stigma to it about being conspiracy theory. And there's so much disinformation out there, you know, about this, about nine 11, that it kind of muddies the waters. Is there something out there that like, that you would, that you find like just utterly ridiculous that tries to get, that you got, that you might get labeled as sometimes by people that kind of throw that muddies the waters and takes the actual information, like your university studies and everything. Do you, is there something out there that you can like recommend to people that can counter this narrative? And, and um, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, sh show the studies and show all the models that are made by experts. But what, what do you think is like the craziest, most idiotic thing that people try to associate with those of us who try to just find the truth about what happened that day? Uh, yeah. How do we unpack uh, that question? <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, there, there, there certainly are a number of alternative theories as to how the towers came down. Some say aliens, some say missiles, some say directed energy weapons, some say nuclear weapons. Um, uh, what we have evidence for is thermite and nanothermite and high energy explosives. Um, it, it takes incredible force to pulverize concrete to dust. It takes incredible force to hurl uh, eight-ton structural steel sections laterally at, at 600 feet, destroying the buildings that are around them. And um, uh, so the, 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 the forensic evidence that we've been discussing is, is very clear. Uh, what we don't have is, uh, is evidence of these other... Uh, uh, forms of destruction that are said by some to have brought down the towers. So, uh, uh, and we can go into the details of that if, if that's where you want to go. But yes, the, the media uses those as straw men as arguments against us uh, and our evidence. Um, they don't actually take our evidence point by point and discuss it and talk about why it, it's not true. Um, they, they don't even allow us a platform. They control the narrative. 
they are in charge of the five corporations who run the mainstream media uh, and, and, and it's been found by Sonoma State uh, Project censored out of Sonoma State University that uh, that the people who run the media are in fact the same boards of directors members who run key international corporations in the arms industry the oil industry the banking industry the insurance industry uh, all all around the, the globe so yes there's your big conspiracy uh it, it is it is it, the, the they move as a flock they all benefited financially enormously from 9-11 and we are the losers we lose uh our civil liberties through the Patriot Act, the Military Commissions Act, the National Defense Authorization Act of 2012. Financially, $6.5 trillion global war on terror that our grandchildren will be paying for and their grandchildren. So um, uh, uh, that's, that's you, we just have to paint this big picture in addition to the evidence to help people to move past their own frame of reference, which is, as mine was 14 years ago, very small. I was rooting for Colin Powell as he was making his indisputable case for weapons of mass destruction against Saddam Hussein, you know, uh, and ties to uh, Osama bin Laden to some uh, uh, Saddam Hussein. Yeah, yeah, I was. That's that the mainstream media was complicit in, in pushing a false narrative that actually led to these endless wars that we're currently in right now, in which uh, over a million people have died in the Middle East, and and uh, you know countless soldiers with PTSD and everything else from that. Um, but there is there I, I, there is a changing paradigm that I see where where it's becoming a little less taboo to mention about to talk about this stuff, and the what gave me hope earlier this year in June is when. You guys, the A&E for 9-11 Truth, actually got a document, a mini documentary to air on 200 different PBS stations um, that, that, that actually showed, that, that quoted that fire did not cause Building 7's collapse on 9-11. Um, how, first off, how, how were you able to do that? And was it, was it received? Did it actually go, go, come to fruition, like go all the way through to the end? Or, um, or was it censored? How did that, how did that play out? Well, we, we, we've created a new film called Seven, and it's now 45 minutes long. It, it uh, is due to be released next month. Uh, we're very excited about it. Uh, Dylan Avery created it. He's uh, the, the primary producer for nine, Loose Change 9-11, which now tens of millions of people have seen. And... He will be featured along with Leroy Halsey and a whole bunch of others we need to talk about at our conference, which is coming up, online conference, on uh, September 11th, 12th, and 13th. So we'll circle back to that. But this film, Seven, has a five-minute version that we were able to uh, raise the funds, $9,000, for to have it air on PBS Um uh, uh, in, in uh, 500 times and reaching 3 million people over the last three months. And imminently we're expecting a Nielsen rating report to prove that that actually happened. Because, you know, you, you do things like this and often you don't get much back from the universe about it. <laughs> so the Nielsen ratings, we, we expect uh, to, 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 to have that uh, expectation met. So did I answer your question? Yes, uh yeah, you oh. did. And um yeah, when I when I when I originally heard about that going on PBS, I, w- I wondered how that was even possible that they were going to let this let this go on the mainstream and um it's amazing that you guys did that. We we uh we actually Well, it slips under the radar. They don't have to have a, a corporate approval uh for these little 5-minute segments they use as fillers. It's not like it's, you know, scheduled and and told the viewers are told in advance what they're going to see. It's it's just this kind of public interest little five minute piece that that uh, I, I guess they just if it got attention maybe they would shut it down. But I don't know what attention it might have got. Well, hopefully it was well received by some people. I mean, if you woke up a hundred people with it, two hundred people, those people are going to show everybody else what you guys are doing, and that's just going to spread 
you know, exponentially, hopefully. So, I mean, it even aired on Fox News, a commercial for it, right? <laughs> Which was pretty amazing. I watched a video clip of uh, yeah. the, the commercial for it that aired on Fox News Radio. Um, on Sirius XM, which is that it's just amazing to me that that's actually being talked about and not just being put down in the memory hole. You know, there's the fact checkers these days are just ready and willing to, to slap a false news rating on anything they can without even doing due diligence to actually prove it wrong. So it's it, it's that was inspiring to see that you guys had done that. Yeah, they finally respond to issues like this and, and the truth about you know, COVID's origins and, and the manipulation by the hospitals and the government uh, about uh, the, uh, the reaction to COVID, uh, which is draconian and illegal and unconstitutional. Um, but uh, the, the people are waking up, and, and it's the force, the collective force of, 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 of questions that are raised that finally the the, the mainstream media has to respond to or they just look like they're out of left field at some point. So that's what we're trying to do with the continued um, at, at mounting efforts uh, legally uh, on the one hand uh, and, and with films like Seven on the other and our, our documentary 9-11 Explosive Evidence, Experts Speak Out. It just, you, we get millions of views uh, already, and, and in the case of loose change, tens of millions of views, and, and in, in, the, in the case of alternative media like yourselves, um, hundreds of millions of views, uh, it, it, it's, it's making a difference. It's just that, you know, we would all like it to all be done already. <laughs> we're working so hard, uh, but uh, we now realize what we're really up against. It's absolutely extraordinary in its power, its reach, its control. Uh, it's it's very scary too. I agree, and um, it's 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 kind of disheartening sometimes when you see that that the media control over this and how you know their their narrative of associating people who actually point out real verifiable evidence as conspiracy theorists or tinfoil hat wearing people or or any of this, but I mean, the level of the people that have come out and and contra- contradicted the official narrative. I mean, it ranges from from you know from FBI agents to to scientists to to up to Congress, you know, congressional representatives, and um, so they they can't silence everybody. But the fact that they continue to try to silence this narrative, it almost implicates them as being complicit in it. Because why wouldn't we have want to talk about this? Why can't we? Why can't we have competing theories as to who and why and how this unfolded? You know, because it's the science is not settled. As much as they want to tell us that, you know, it's not. Whether you guys have shown, there's so much evidence that that just destroys the official nar- narrative about 9/11, and yet the people that try to talk about it, like you just said, you know, you're you're shoved into this memory hole and you're not allowed to talk about that. So I mean that that. That kind of silencing of crit- criticism makes makes it look almost as if you know the government might be or have or some people in the government might have known and allowed it to happen. In fact, you know some FBI agents actually came forward and said that they could have probably stopped 9/11, but the CIA chose to not act on the information that they had and essentially allowed 9/11 to happen. That's a question I wanted to get for for you, Richard. Was that like? I know that you guys don't really assert any kind of theory as to who or why it was carried out, but just as a personal question, um, what, what do you think um, allowed that to happen or, or carried it out or, or, or what, what exactly, how it unfolded? Well, starting with the evidence, uh, maybe that can tell us something. Um, we, we, we have evidence of... Uh, forensic evidence of thermite incendiaries, very high-tech thermite incendiaries, uh, which are not made in a cave in Afghanistan. Uh, These are made only in the most advanced, sophisticated laboratories. I mean, anybody who reads this 25-page peer-reviewed paper called Active Thermitic Materials in the World Trade Center Dust realizes the sophistication that we're dealing with here. It's not like this was unknown, uh, though. There were peer-reviewed papers 
put out prior to 9-11 on uh, super thermite, is what they call it. <clears throat> and it's very interesting material. And so uh, Los Alamos Lab, Lawrence Livermore Lab are centers for the development of this. So it's not like, you know, it, 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 a court system, a special grand jury can't issue a subpoena to uh, find out, you know, who made the stuff that is found in the World Trade Center dust. So we're obviously talking about um, uh, uh, military level um, in, in just in terms of, of that alone. Well, who, who could control, uh, who, who set up um, air, air defense drills on the morning of 9-11 with false blips on the radar that confused the air traffic controllers? Uh, this is um, uh, top-level military and, and uh, air traffic control civilian working in tandem to, to create that. Who sent the, uh, the other drills that sent the F-35, 17, whatever they are, fighters, uh, north and south and out in the ocean in the morning of 9-11 so that they weren't available to bring down these planes? Uh, who didn't shoot down the plane that was alleged to have hit the Pentagon? Uh, and, and this points directly to Cheney, uh, who's, uh, we have testimony from Norman Mineta, Transportation Department uh, Secretary, uh, who, who said that he whipped his head around uh, finally and said, did I give you any orders otherwise, after he was uh, encouraged uh, to do the order still stand. Uh, the plane is 50 miles out. The plane is 10 miles out. Uh, and and um, so the order could only have been to not shoot that plane down. So this is obviously going all the way to the top. Rumsfeld has, uh, has implications here. Um, so there's no question but to know that elements within our government and and uh, if you read the work of uh, Christopher Boleyn solving 9-11, uh, elements outside of our government uh, being involved uh, as well. Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's, uh, for one, yes. And which is why the family members have a suit against uh, Saudi Arabia that's to this day being uh, hampered quite a bit. When the Obama administration tried to block the lawsuits against uh, Saudi Arabia back, and uh, yeah, and and the, un, unfortunately, the Trump administration is doing the same thing regarding that lawsuit today. Right. In addition to selling them countless billions of dollars worth of military equipment. Yeah. Well, m these money deals, uh, including uh, bonds that were coming due September 11th. Uh, all those records in the Twin Towers were destroyed. So uh, th there's incredible financial crimes, gold heists, bond heists, uh, going on with the destruction of, of the Twin Towers and Building 7, where the Securities and Exchange Commission lost uh, uh, thousands of files related to hundreds of cases that it was actively pursuing against uh, high-profile companies like Enron and WorldCom, uh, which was even just the tip of the iceberg of, of organized crime uh, in this country. Yeah, and I think that one thing that gets missed, as you mentioned, the SEC, is uh, people, people seem to forget that 9-11 uh, was following the dot-com bus when the SEC was investigating all these companies. So, uh, you know, there's even more financial, or more financial implications given that information. And I'm not sure what you mean there, uh, the 9-11.com uh, uh, busts? Uh, the dot-com bust happened at the end of 1999 and early 2000. It was a big financial, uh, the stock market dropped quite substantially at that time. Uh, there was a lot of the tech sector companies started going under, and with the SEC investigating it, anything that happened during the dot-com bust would have also happened during that time oh, as well. In addition to, in addition to uh, Rumsfeld, the Rumsfeld, you know, it's it's pretty common knowledge now, but Rumsfeld acknowledging that the Department of Defense was missing trillions 
the day before 9-11 happened as well. And I believe that uh, the their office, the DOD's office, our financial office, was also in Building 7. Yes, absolutely true. And and I didn't know about the dot-com bus ties to 9-11 and, and, and with the SEC. That's just it's very important. I encourage everybody to look at James Corbett's uh, excellent video, um, 9-11 Trillions. Follow the money. Yeah, James Corbin's really good in that regard. He has some uh, some in-depth information there. Um, man, so Richard, what what do you think that people should do? Like, what? So our listeners, they're they're out here. They're, some of them maybe haven't heard this. Maybe they, maybe they've never seen the Free Thought Project or A and E for nine eleven Truth, and they're they're hearing this podcast for the first time, and their minds are actually they're blown. What, what do you think that they, they should do? What's a good thing to start to start educating people or to try to, get, to try to get this information out? Yes. Well, we have a website with lots of more evidence. If you're curious and want to know more, AE for Architects and Engineers, AE911truth.org uh, has videos and, and, and documents. We have a store. You can get brochures if you want to tell other people about it by 100 brochures hand them out um it's about 10 bucks um and you can uh, show the dvds uh some many of which are free on youtube uh to your friends and uh and colleagues uh find send our link to every architect and engineer you can find and everybody else that you know come to our conference uh which is um tomorrow night uh september 11th and then saturday uh the 12th and Sunday, the 13th. We begin at 6 p.m. Eastern uh, on Friday night, tomorrow night. And uh, we have an incredible uh, uh, lineup of folks. So we start out uh, with a, a history of AE, which we were only scratching the surface of just now, uh, and where we're heading. And then uh, we go to Matt Campbell and, and the search for the quest for his brother's um, uh, uh, a new inquest into his death uh, <clears throat> to get to the truth that he was murdered along with 3,000 other people, uh, uh, many of which were just uh, with explosives turned uh, into uh, pieces, very small pieces, 20,000 people, uh, 20,000 pieces of body smaller, small enough to fit into a test tube, and yet still uh, uh, more than 1,100 uh, victims remain completely unaccounted for. We're talking about vaporized. So this is not only uh, a mass murder, as you mentioned, but uh, it's, it's, it's treason as well, of course, at the highest levels. Anyway, um, we're, we'll be discussing that and, and raising funds for Matt's legal expenses, which is a $100,000 effort um, uh, that we're uh, almost three-quarters of the way into it. Uh, so so it's, it's going to happen. And now we also have um, uh, Dylan Avery, creator of Loose Change. We talked about he made the film Seven. Leroy Halsey will be uh, live with us uh, with Dylan because Leroy's the hero of that uh, film, having done the finite element analysis over the last four years. And um, we have um, uh, also, I'm spacing out on uh, where we end up that night. Oh, the request for correction. Uh, that we submitted to NIST, picking their eight key vulnerabilities. Uh, that's a 100-page request for correction, what you can do under the Data Quality Act. Uh, and when agencies like NIST commit fraud, like we've been talking about today, uh, and they have now responded to that request, and uh, they have denied these, these uh, requests for corrections uh, and didn't even respond to the specific elements of the request, which they're required by law to do so. So we'll be discussing that and our next actions, which include uh, an upcoming lawsuit. Uh, Ted Walter, Tony Zambodi, and uh, Mick Harrison will be handling that. And then we turn it over to Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry, who have the lawsuits that we'd mentioned earlier uh, to report on, but also some new uh, petitions to for a grand jury investigation into the 9/11 anthrax attacks 
uh, which is, uh, there's evidence uh, for foul play there, as you can imagine. Uh, that completes Friday, and then we go to Saturday, where we um, open up with a look into the actual uh, evidence. Uh, I'll be talking about the Twin Towers evidence, as we just touched on today. Roland Angle of our Project Due Diligence uh, team will be going into in-depth uh, and the actual results of the finite element analysis from the University of Alaska on Building 7. And then we get to <clears throat> i got to get this list in front of me. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's so exciting. Oh, the, the keynote of the whole thing on Saturday is uh, David Ray Griffin, Stephen Jones, and Niels Harrod. You know, we haven't heard from two of these gentlemen for many years. And so here they are all live on the platform and giving their reflections on their experience in the 9-11 Truth Movement. David Ray Griffin has written 14 books on 9-11 Truth. Stephen Jones, of course, the, the documenter of extreme temperatures in the World Trade Center. And Niels Harrod, the primary author of the nanothermite paper that we discussed earlier. So that's going to be an extraordinary uh, uh, event in and of itself. And then we come back Sunday uh, with Daniela Ganser uh, from the, uh, Switzerland, who's an expert on false flags and uh, wars of aggression following 9-11 and prior to 9-11. And then we go to John Whitehead of the Rutherford Institute. Uh, he's a constitutional attorney specializing in the advancing police state as a result of 9-11. Uh, and then we jump uh, to James Corbett, who uh, will be telling us about Internet censorship, uh, particularly with YouTube. And his title of his speech is The, uh, at the Library of Alexandria is on Fire. And that, that's one of the earliest historical examples of censorship uh, that, we, that we have on a huge level um, in Alexandria, Egypt, uh, when was that? Gosh, um, uh, before Christ, I believe. Or maybe it was after. Maybe it was like three or 400 A.D. during the Council of Ni Nicaea. I don't know. Do you guys know? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Was, it, we got to do it, our homework. I know. It was, uh, yeah, it was, about, it was about 200 years before Christ. Uh, yeah, it looks like it was burned down in 246 B.C. Wow. Okay, by the Greeks or, or who? I... Uh, since you're on Wikipedia there. If, if, it was, if it was 246 B.C., it likely would have been the Romans or the Greeks. But let's just see for fun. Could have also yeah. been the Babylonians, maybe. Let's see. Interesting. Yeah, Egypt was a center of cultural uh, uh, excellence, we could say, uh, wisdom and sciences, the arts. Oh, certainly. At that time. Yeah. Yep, it, and it was, in fact, burned it's, uh, accidentally by Julius Caesar. So it was the Romans. Accidentally? <laughs> accidentally. So they say. So they oh. say. Wow. It was, it was destroyed by office fires. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Perfect. <laughs> it's funny. Oh well, Richard, well, sir, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know it's pretty busy considering tomorrow's the the nineteenth anniversary here. And um, if you'd like to leave our listeners with any closing notes, we we uh, we'd appreciate it. We're gonna have links to everything, to the conference, to where you can donate, where you can, how you can get involved with A and E for nine eleven truth, and other various things that you can do to try to to get this information out there because we're still fighting for justice and the truth. You know, here we are, nineteen years later. We we need to get the we need to get on the ball here. So, um, yeah, Richard, if you have anything in closing that you'd like to add, we'd uh, we'd appreciate it. Sure, um, I would encourage everybody to do something with this information. Maybe you need to learn more, and I've given you you know the website, and you can learn more. You can go to YouTube and search AE nine one one Truth and see videos there uh, about the evidence. And that's primarily what we talked about. Maybe you've learned enough and you want to do something. You want to share this information. Well, we have a section in our website called Get Involved. And there's a lot of things you can do. You can actually volunteer with us, too. But there's things you can do on your own to get the word out. Just send the link to AE911 Truth. You know, we have 3,000 architects and engineers sign on to the petition demanding a new investigation into the destruction of these towers. You can use us 
for 30,000 years of technical credibility altogether. Uh, that's pretty powerful. Let them call us conspiracy theorists as they try to refute our points one by one. You don't have to put your neck on the line. Uh, use us. So that's, uh, uh, those are among the things that you can do. But I also encourage you to contact your elected representative and encourage them, uh, well, make an appointment. And, and we'll go with you. We'll give the information to them in a 10-minute telephone appointment. And uh, we'll encourage them to introduce the Bobby McElvain Act. Uh, Bobby was lost in the North Tower also. Uh, only small pieces of him were found. Uh, actually, that's not true. Um, there were made, there were, Bobby suffered explosions. His face was blown off. Um, and, and, and more, even more gruesome than that. <clears throat> they did. He was one of the first bodies that were found. And, and um, <clears throat> so he obviously suffered explosions because he was walking into the lobby <clears throat> when uh, he was uh, uh, killed in this explosion. Uh, so uh, we, we, his father was inspired uh, by our work to uh, uh, create this legislation, <clears throat> the Bobby McElvain Act, which is all written. We, all it takes is a, your elected representative to introduce it into legislation. So we've talked to dozens and dozens and dozens of, of representatives, uh, staffers of, of elected representatives, and a few representatives themselves. And we have had, not had uh, much luck yet finding one to introduce this legislation. Um, uh, but we're, we'll keep on trying. You know, at some point, the, the, the time will be right. And uh, that might be now for your legislator. So we encourage you to uh, get us that appointment with them. And you can join us, and uh, we'll do all the work for you. So those, that's just the beginning. Uh, check our website for much, much more. Awesome. Thank you, Richard. I, I just want to personally say, uh, and I can speak for everybody here at the Free Thought Project, that we really appreciate what you started and what you did and what this has become, like you said, with 30,000, I didn't know that, but 30,000 collective hours of, of experience in the field. It's hard to refute that, and this is, this is what it takes, unfortunately. It takes this much um, credibility just to, just to fight the establishment narrative, and what you guys are doing over there at um, Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth is, is truly amazing and necessary in this time, man. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for doing what you do and for, and for coming on our podcast. Oh, thank you, guys. It's been awesome, uh, Matt and Johnny. It's great to be here with you. Let's do it again. 